Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. On the show today, we have my friend Maurice Israel. I met Maurice at We Don't Die Orlando, and on the very last evening, over a couple of drinks with our friends Scott Milligan, Carrie and Phil, and the gag, I found out that Maurice is a hospice nurse, a psychic medium, and the best part is he and I share the same birthday, which is April 8th. Maurice is a caring, compassionate soul and fun, and I thought he'd be a great person for you to meet today. You can find out more about Maurice through his Facebook page, and you simply type in Psychic Medium Maurice to find out more. Coming to us from Southern Florida, I'd like to say, Maurice Israel, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Uh, good morning, Sandra. Great to hear your voice. I'm looking forward to working with you today in this interview. Oh, me too. And I think it was just such a spontaneous thing how we met. Kind of when it was all over, we're sitting together, relaxing. And I just, I knew from your smile that you're just somebody that I'd love to be friends with forever. And then investigating even more, I find out these gems about you. And like I said, the most important part is we're April 8th babies. Yeah, that was a pretty amazing weekend, wasn't it? It's one of those times where you finish the weekend and you just sit back and you're like, wow, you know, what else have, could happen to make it even better at this time? So mm-hmm. more than a pleasure to meet you. Yeah. And I think we're building these strategic partnerships because there's, even though you're doing what you're doing and I'm doing what I'm doing, you know, put together, um, we really have some power getting out some good stories with integrity, good people that can bring forward the message that we really don't die life goes on. So I'd love to hear about you. And I think it's fascinating that you're both a hospice nurse and a psychic medium and just find out a little bit about your past, how you got on maybe both paths. Would you mind sharing? Uh, No, not at all. Um, You know, it's interesting. When I first uh, moved to Florida, it was one of those things where I was doing a little bit of soul searching to see what I wanted to do as far as career wise and what life was going to bring me. And nursing was not a path I originally had considered, but the more that I thought about it, the more I felt that it was something that I really wanted to step towards and step into uh, because I just, I love people, wanted to give back in, a, in an ideal way or in a way that was, I felt was a little bit unique. So I stepped onto that path and just went forward and didn't stop. Now, the thing that was interesting, right about the same time that I started that, I was having all kinds of what I would call strange situations happening in my own life, showing me that... Um, there was another life that there was, there were other souls around us. I was having experiences with the spirit world, which I couldn't identify at the time. Cause if I'm honest with you, I have to say it was a little bit terrifying for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause the way, the way that I was raised, you didn't deal with, you know, the spirit world and that kind of thing. Right. So as that door began to open, um, I, I'll be honest, I ran from it in the beginning, <laughs> but then um, the right people seemed to come in to kind of guide me along the path. How did to it, help me in that way. How did it start, though? Did you start, like, knowing things about people? or? Yeah, it was all psychic in the beginning. Okay. Um, it's just, like, meeting certain people, and then some of those people were psychic, and then realizing that I had a bit of an ability. But the biggest thing for me, I think, was I had a lot of prophetic dreams in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, dreams that I would be, I would have the dream, like, a few days before, and then go stand somewhere and actually watch the dream unfold. And that was actually something that happened through my whole life, but it got stronger and stronger as things began to really get to a head. And then from there, it it 
just I started investigating, started reading books because, um, like I said, it made me very nervous in the beginning. I wasn't sure what this was. Mm-hmm. And then I went and studied the uh, Akashic Records mm-hmm. and learned about them and learned how to work with them. And from there, met another group of people who were more into mediumship. And one of the women that I met actually looked at me and said, well, you need to come and learn about what you're working with. And she was going over to England to the Arthur Finley College to study. Right. And she came back and told me all about the Arthur Finley College. And fortunately enough, I, about six months later, I was able to make that first trip happen. And that's how it all began for me with the mediumship. Wow. How long ago was that, roughly? Gosh, that was back in February. Two, I actually remember it was back in February 2004 was my first trip over to Arthur Finley. First trip out of how many? Have you been many times? Oh, my gosh. That's um, a yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been, when I stopped counting, I had been to the author from the college, I believe it was 11 times with different teachers and opportunities to learn. And because it, for me, it was a safe place to, to work with this type of ability. And also it was a place where the teachers were at such a high standard that when I looked around America, I, I found a few people that I liked, but mm-hmm. the whole experience of going over there was just absolutely amazing and helped me just to be in a comfortable space to open and just further investigate who I was in that ability. Yeah, I totally dig the Arthur Finley College. I was talking to our mutual friend Darla yesterday, and I said, we got to go back there because you're just surrounded with every person there is totally into this. You're with the top tutors. It's just regular. You know, I remember even, I call it Psychic 101, but even all the exercises we did to open up our psychic abilities and test different things. I'm like, this is so normal here. <laughs> and so it's a great, it's a great first place and absolutely a beautiful, beautiful place as well. Yeah. And it just, um, you know, it's, and like you said, it's one of those places where it's so normal and you, then you learn and you learn to realize that people from every walk of life, every career, every background are investigating you know, these types of abilities. And that's what made it a little more okay for me to move forward with, Mm because in the beginning, it wasn't so easy for me. Um, But as I went a few more times and met more people, and you just learn that it really does connect with your soul, and the work is actually good work, it made it okay for me to really step into that, into that path and move forward. Yeah, it gives you the confidence, gives you the foundation. And I don't know about you, but the very first time I went I was thinking about Hogwarts, Harry Potter, all that, like, this, what, what have I got myself into? And I found just the most normal group of people from all walks of life. And, and there's a couple of the airy fairy people that were a little bit out there, but I think most people were just really pretty grounded and, and good people from you know all kinds of different careers. And I just thought, you know what, this is okay. This is okay to explore. Yeah, and I felt the same way. It's funny you said about Hogwarts, because I kind of felt the same way. Mm-hmm. I got um, myself freaked also, out before. <laughs> like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> no. Yeah, and so did I. But I also want, but the thing that was amazing is, to me, once you walk through those doors, mm-hmm. it's almost like coming back home. Yes. Even before you get into your first session there, it's that feeling of the calmness that comes over you, the excitement at the same time as the calmness comes in that kind of lets you know you're going to be okay there without actually knowing anything's going to happen yet. That's right. And for our listener, 
um, this may be your first show, the Arthur Finley College is uh, near Stansted in the United Kingdom. That's where that place is. And all year long, they have different courses on development of psychic mental abilities and um, that whole world. So that's a good website to check out. So then now is your nursing career taking off at the same time or did that come a little bit before or after? Um, nursing, gosh, well, these abilities, I would say I stepped into them more so when I got into the nursing, but these abilities probably started right before, I'm trying to think, actually right after I got into the nursing and got mm-hmm. it going. And it was just then at that point, it was a matter of trying to make the time for both. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of opportunity when I first stepped into this work because with with the mediumship side of things and the, obviously the mediumship and psychic work and Akashic Records, those kind of things, some doors opened right away. Like as soon as I got back home from Arthur Finley, the first time I got back home, I um, walked into a shop where I had done a little bit of investigating with some healing as well with Reiki. And um, an opportunity opened for me to sit and actually work with my abilities at a psychic fair, which is something I never thought in my life that I would consider doing. Mm-hmm. And um, that was how I actually was introduced to the public, which yeah. was absolutely nerve wracking. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. I have taken plenty of mediumship development courses, but never truly spend the time sitting or developing because of that fear of stepping out. So thankfully I'm being used in the way that I am, but I also know that I need to conquer my fears while I'm on planet earth. <laughs> and so when the time is right to, to step into that. And before we go on too much, you mentioned Akashic records a couple of times. I think I know what that is, but would you mind just talking about what that is? Yeah. What it is. Um, there, there's a prayer that's used to actually establish your connection to the book of Akasha is what it's called, which is actually past lives, present, what's going on in your present world, and future possibilities. And what you do is you connect to masters, guides, and teachers that are connected to the individual that you're going to work with. And you literally just connect. You ask them whatever the questions are that they have in mind and what they would like to know about. And it's, it's just amazing because the energy just flows right into your head. Um, and the answers just come right out. It's, it's an amazing area of, I don't even want to say it's, I guess it is psychic in this world, but I found it something, it was one of the first things I was pushed towards more in that psychic arena. And I just found it to be absolutely amazing how it works. How do we find out more about that? I mean, that's something we've never talked about on the show. I don't think, is that something you go to a person to tap into your Akashic records, like a psychic thing? Yeah, because, yeah, because they're Akashic records consultants that people that actually, like I went through, um, a couple of courses to actually learn to work with the prayer and to use it properly. Uh-huh. Um, so there are people out there that advertise themselves and you can look online. There's a lot of information now about on websites about the Akashic records. Um, to me, it's just one of those things. It's just an amazing energy. Once again, reading at the soul level, just like the mediumship is a soul to soul connection. There's a depth to those readings normally. And actually once you're touched, you can, to me, you can actually kind of feel that energetic shift or change that happens as you're working with the energy. Do you find that when you work with clients as a psychic medium, that your Akashic record knowledge can get activated and sometimes maybe that's some of the stuff you're tapping into through a reading, you know? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Because all that energy, you know, it's it, all that energy is coming from the same field. I want to say, because if, if you look into the science behind a lot of what we do, they talk about the quantum fields mm-hmm. and within those fields, all those energies are interconnected. It's just about the reader and the reader's experience and what they have an experience and in tapping into. So if they, if they're, trained in certain areas and they're tapping into the field at that level and that's what they're able to tap into and work with and if you trained and work in other areas like they're different areas of healing mm-hmm. um which actually are also within that field but even within those areas of healing all those energies work together just that one may be a more passive energy like healing is a bit more of a passive energy whereas the mediumship is more of an active energy but it's still that same field of energy that you're tapping into do you work with healing energy as well I do. Um, my first, my first thing, because obviously because of my nursing side as well, the healing was so big for me mm-hmm. in the beginning. Um, did the whole Reiki master thing. Cool. And then there were there were a few other modalities of healing that I did work with, and actually became certified in one, which I I don't necessarily talk about that so much now because mm-hmm. when I work with people with healing, it's just whatever I'm guided to work with is where I go with it. But it's amazing because in nursing, the the first um, hospital that I worked in, they were very open to the healing aspect of things. So I was able to do some of the hands-on healing, Mm -hmm. actually right in the hospital on the patient. Excellent. Which was amazing. And then there are other modalities where you don't even have to touch the patients, but you can just connect and connect to them and the healing takes place. So, um, yeah, there's just so much amazing stuff out there, but it's all interconnected and interwoven. And that's why I think this world is so spectacular to me. It is spectacular is an understatement. It is mind blowing. The healing is so great. Even distant healing is possible. You don't even, I mean, I'm assuming you don't even need to be next to the person. Not at all. For Mm -hmm. me, it's just, um, you can connect to a voice on the phone. You can connect to writing a name on a piece of paper because everything that happens in these worlds, as far as healing, mediumship, it's all an exchange of energy. Mm Mm-hmm. So as long as you're able to connect energetically to someone, which is a voice, like I said, a name written down and just working and connecting energetically, and if there is an effect that takes place, whether they're aware of it or not. Um, and I just, it's, there've been some just amazing stories of things that I've been a part of and some things that I just know of through others that work with the healing ability as well. So it's just, I don't know. It, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's, I'm just thinking it's not just physical healing although there can be there are other can healing occur on emotional level and stuff like that absolutely i mean um i've done a lot of reading like over these topics over the years Mm -hmm. and i'm an avid believer that a lot of illness and things that happen with illness are actually from an emotional core um, and things that take place on an emotional level first that seem to culminate into the physical symptoms and then into the physical disease. Um, but that's from like many years of study, many years of going to different shows and studying with a few different people in the healing arenas. And um, one of the people that I, I've read a little bit about, and she came out with a, a book, um, is Louise Hay. Yes. And she actually did a lot of studying and did some studies on this in regard to healing and diseases. And she even has a book out that actually relates whatever ailment you have to the emotional source of the healing and why it's actually taking place or coming to your life. 
And when I was working, doing a lot of healing work in the midst of the beginning of, of this, it actually really correlated when you sit and really talk to people. It's there in just about every single person. So that teaches us, for me, it taught me that as we do our healing work, that's why the people are so focused when you do healing. Never try to push how someone's meant to heal. Just allow the energy to flow where it's meant to go and just allow it to happen. Because you may be looking at someone that's in the bed because a woman that has, say, breast cancer, but the breast cancer may have begun within her body or culminated based upon dislike of, say, like a mother-in-law. And that's what's for some reason brought this breast cancer into play. So as you're giving healing, yes, you're pushing, you're allowing energy to flow through you to connect with that person, but you don't want to just visualize the breast cancer. You want it to allow it to go where it's meant to be because maybe it needs to go beyond the breast cancer to the core of what's going on with the person to actually release from the core. So then energetically it can be released and then the physical part will catch up and allow the healing to happen. Pretty great. Pretty great. I remember when my dad was very ill with cancer, I was trying every type of healing modality that I knew then. And of course he didn't survive, but the universe works in miraculous ways because had that not gone exactly the way it did, I would have never come to research grief, done more information, uh, investigation on afterlife things. I would have never written the book, would have never started the show. So although all people may not be healed physically, I think there's a, a bigger picture going on. And these, I don't, I don't know if I want to use the word miracle healings or just healings, but when we can be part of whether it's an emotional healing, physical healing or anything, you really, we really get to see that we are so much more than meets the eye. We are so much, there's so much more going on behind the scenes and in the invisible world. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about that. But. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, even with um, like my hospice experiences. No, and, and you're 100% correct because, you know, it's people look at death and have so, so many people have fear behind death. Yes. But what a lot of people don't understand is that fear is actually just a, it's a continuation of life. If you really believe in a soul and know there's a soul within a body, then this physical body, yes, the physical body is shed. And the soul moves on to continue to grow and evolve and do whatever it's meant to do. But energy cannot be destroyed. So it has to evolve and become something else. And I do, I really believe that, yes, we go through some of these physical symptoms or physical ailments, but I don't believe that the soul ever stops evolving and ever stops growing and ever stops just learning. Because, I mean, even as a medium, when you deal with mediumship, you're connecting to the soul of the individual that was here on the earth. So that kind of validates the belief that there is a soul because it's those memories connected to that soul right. and that lifetime of that soul that you're connecting with to bring back those amazing memories to the people that are still here to either provide them with comfort or put them in a place to let go or to help them to even, you know, sometimes move forward a little bit with their grief because grief never really leaves us. We just learn how to work with it. Yes. And that's just a big part of what we do and why we do it. Uh, I wanted to ask, when you got involved with nursing, how did you get linked up with hospice? Because that is a very special area. <laughs> I have to, 
it's interesting. I have to say to you, I definitely believe it was my influence from this spiritual work that took me in that direction. Because when I first got, when I first became a nurse, the last thing I ever wanted to do was to work in hospice. Right. It wasn't, it was the furthest thing from my mind. Um, I hadn't, I hadn't had much, many of my own experiences with death in my own life. It wasn't an area that I really wanted to go into because I, my, in my physical world, I had just seen it as it's a place of sadness and doom and gloom and people are dying all day long. And why would I ever want to put my time into that? Because yeah. I don't want to be sad all the time. I mean, those were my viewpoints and I remember so clearly, but after I was in nursing, gosh, I would say I'd been in nursing probably eight, nine years. And, and started to realize, okay, I'm doing this type of work, but I, I know there's something still missing for me. And as I started to look around to really see where I wanted to work, I realized that I was kind of getting a pull there over and over and over again. It was like this, I kept coming back to hospice, kept coming back to hospices. And finally I said, you know what, I need to give this a try and just step into that arena and see if it really works for me. Um, that was about Gosh, that was, I guess, almost 14 years ago now. <laughs> so I think I've found where I'm supposed to be now. Hey, can you just explain a little bit about what hospice is? I think many of us know or can associate hospice with a place to go when you're dying, but not necessarily more than that. Right. I mean, hospice, I mean, the the real focus of hospice it's yes it's people for people that are considered to be at the end of life Um, a lot of people unfortunately have the view of hospice that it's a place where you go and they medicate you and they end your life and take you away but the real view of hospice or that how i see hospice and over my years of experience it's a place where people go who are considered to be end of life but it's a place where doctors do medicate patients to help to control symptoms but it's also a place to help to maintain the quality of life for as long as possible so they can enjoy their final days, not just for themselves, but to connect to family, to get things done they need to get done while they're here on the earth, but also to help them sometimes find that time that or that place of spiritual peace or getting to a place within themselves where death is actually okay. Um, but the other side of hospice as well is there are people there to actually help the families and the family members try to move into a place to understand or begin to cope with their grief so they also can move into a place where, okay, I'm not okay with this death, but I'm going to get to a place within myself where I may be able to accept this a little bit better and it may make things a little bit easier. I mean, hospice challenges a lot of people. I've seen a lot of things over the years, but the biggest thing for me is when we're able to help the families and the patients to kind of move forward and you can kind of see the shift sometimes from beginning to their time of transition, it, it makes a difference. Well, I really applaud you and the people you work with and all hospice workers as well. I know when my dad, um, before he died, he, he did not depart earth in, at a hospice, but he was actually put in a hospice for a while just to maintain his pain, to get his, um, I guess, his pain medication under control. He had a tumor that broke apart his back. And I spent a lot of time with him in the hospice. And I was just so delighted that everyone who worked there was filled with so much care and compassion and love and their bright things on the wall. And as opposed to a sterile environment of being in a hospital, it was just like, this is great. So it just gave me a tiny little taste. And I 
I don't know. I, it just made me so happy to know that there's places uh, like that. And um, yeah, it kind of answered my question for me as to what hospice was all about. So mm-hmm. I would absolutely love my final days having you around and um, <laughs> having a cosmopolitan or something together. <laughs> I don't know if we can do something like that. That and that's the way that's the way it's supposed to be at the end too. Whatever the person wants, whatever they desire, we try to make those things happen. Oh, I love it! And, and going dying with dignity. And uh, just on a few episodes ago, I I talked to a gal who we were talking about um, before I go solutions, and Jane Duncan Rogers is her name, and it was all about preparing for our end of life and what normally is a could have could have been a kind of a scary concept because a lot of people don't want to face that it's coming but you know i was talking about it's just like if you go traveling and you're checking out of a hotel and you want to make sure you've got all your belongings out of the closet and the drawers and things and tidy up before you leave because when we our body dies we simply open our eyes up to a whole new reality we we haven't gone anywhere we just maybe not in the flesh and um, flesh that we were having our human existence. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, do you have any stories from working in hospice? I've heard from many uh, sure, I have people, a couple. you know, that yeah. very, uh, sometimes are last um, breaths, you know, people come or how, whatever stories you have. I think they give us a lot of faith that we don't die. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple, there are a few that come to mind as you're Mm -hmm. asking me that. Um, I remember working with a family in my very early days in hospice um, when I just was really working with these abilities and really learning to use them. uh, There was a family where the mom was actually the patient and and she was at a place where she was about to actually transition. Um, And I just remember sitting there and looking at the family all around the bed and just watching uh, the mom and looking at the mom, she looked very peaceful in the bed. But I also recall that about an hour before the mom's body, um, the physical body stopped breathing. I remember looking in the corner to see the mom standing in the corner. And I'm sure that the gentleman's hand that she was holding was actually the father of those same children. Um, because through talking to them afterwards, I asked, oh, you know, is your father, because he wasn't there at the bedside, so you investigate a little bit. But I can't really say what it is that I'm seeing because of the difference in belief systems. Right. You just, I just can't come out and say, well, I saw your mom, and she was out an hour before, so you guys are okay, and, you know, she's really okay. You can't say those things. But that was at least an hour ahead of time. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking on the corner saying, oh, that's, a, like, one of the most amazing things. Because when you first start this work, and the mediumship as well, you don't know what you're going to actually experience. So that was one of the beautiful things. So that brought me a little bit of comfort also, because I know in hospice, I've seen a few people that have also had challenging deaths. Um, I had a woman um, who was having a very difficult time. So we thought leaving her body, which I know she was challenged a little bit spiritually because we had called people in to assist her. And she was also another one who was struggling towards the end. Um, and her son was in the room with her. And I just remember looking at him and talking to him and she was having trouble breathing and she was really beginning, you know, those, those symptoms at the end of life could be very challenging for people, the gurgling and right. all the things that we see on the physical levels, what causes the most angst. Yes. So I'm watching this woman and I'm listening to the gurgling and seeing everything, but it's interesting because before she got to that place, right before she had mentioned 
the name of someone um, who she had, it was her brother, which is the young man's uncle. And she said the name right before she gone. He said, I said to him, oh, I said, who was the person she had mentioned? And she, he gave me a name. And well, I looked over once again, I looked over to the side of the bed as her body's going through this. And she's standing next to a gentleman, her spirit self in the corner. And I even said to him, I thought, well, you know, around what age would he have died? What would he have looked like? You know, asking little questions, which people don't catch on to at that time because they're caught up in the other moment. But it was definitely who she had seen and spoken the name of prior to letting go. But once again, her physical body was going through what it had to go through to transition, but that soul was already up and out. Oh, that's, um, I mean, I've so, there's yeah. so many stories like that. You can keep them coming, but I'm just thinking I, there's a Ted talk by Martha Atkins who's investigated um, some of these bedside visitations and things. And she does a lot with helping people dying and um, hospice work as well. But she, well, I just remember one of the stories, one of the little boy before he transitioned was looking into the corner and talking to people and someone mm-hmm. said, you know, who are you talking to? And she gave the names of three, or the boy gave the name of three other boys names and come to find, and then he passed away and come to find out those three names were the last three boys that lived in that room. And wow. uh, oh, to hear that is, it, it is so comforting because I know listening right now, many of us have experienced grief or are newly bereaved and we're looking for evidence of the afterlife. But there's also people listening right now that have been diagnosed with an illness and may have been told there's not too much time left. And it is so comforting, I feel, to believe and know that in those final moments, there's a welcoming committee. Yeah, and there really is. I mean, most of the people that I've worked with, especially right at the end, and even some like friends I've worked with, um, like their family, because they know what I do. Um, a couple of them have called me to come in with the grandmoms, granddad, things like that. And they'll start to say to me, oh, they're talking about this person, that person. And you actually see, I, because of my ability, I can see sometimes see them or sense them right there. And a couple of times I've even been able to give like a name or two before they did. So the person, it's validation for the people in the room. That's pretty wild right there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but but it ahead. does make a difference. No, I just, for me, I, I'm just glad that I'm able to do that. It's not something that, you know, as, as you're growing up, you say, oh, I wish I could do this later. But now that it's something that I am able to do, I'm, I'm very happy that I'm able to bring that to people. Absolutely. And you've really built a, I don't want to say a toolbox, but all your experiences from Arthur Finley College, studying mediumship, studying nursing, being with people, Akashic records, healing, it's all built a foundation for you that you can be totally present to whatever situation you need to be in and the right information comes forward. Maurice, I, I want to just touch a little bit upon um, something you mentioned is that the soul can check out of the body before the body dies. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I know for myself, my dad went through a very awful death or my dad's body, lots of pain turning up the medication, um, you know, you could tell and hear how much he was in pain and all 
I could pray for is that he'd already left, but it was very, very, very hard to be with. Um, but I, I, but I'd never heard that before that sometimes our soul can check out. Cause I, I would just hate to feel that my dad was feeling all that pain. Yeah. I, I mean, I have another experience where I have a young man, uh, a child, actually, I want to say it was around 11 years old that, um, one of the other women that I worked with when I really got into this work was there with me. And he was, unfortunately, he was a burn victim at that age. And what was going on with him is that he was slipping in and out of a coma during the time um, prior to his death. Um, and I, he was burnt like over 90% of his body. I mean, it was just a horrible, horrible situation. Yes. And at that time, when you first learned about mediumship, I didn't know any better. So she didn't tell me any details about him. Um, prior to asking me about him and Maurice, you, can you pick up and tell me a little bit about what's going on with him about his death? So one thing that I, I learned during that time, even I was able to connect with him on a spiritual level and give her some information and not knowing the whole entire situation around it. He came in, he showed us some of the, um, like the toys he had played with as a child, some of the experiences they shared together. And that was, that was weeks before he actually died. So for me, I believe that during that time when he was, would have been struggling and suffering in that bed filled up on all those medications that I do believe that his, I feel my belief system is that his spirit was actually up and on that body. Um, and actually free of the actual experience that was going on there. Now, do I believe that he stayed out of the body? No, because I believe there are times where he went back where, cause she told me towards the end that there were times where he had come around a little bit where they had lessened some of the medication so he could open his eyes and to reconnect with them prior to his death. But because I was able to connect with him a few different times the way that I was and actually get a true sense of him, it just, it, for me, it was comforting to, to know that he was, I felt he was free during those periods of time. And there are different people say different things, but, I can only go from my own experiences. Of course. Yeah. And I hear too with uh, Alzheimer's dementia patients as well, that they can come back in and out of their bodies too. You know, their soul can yeah. as well. And, and even I hear stories from other people um, that there's some mo moments of clarity just before, or there can be just before one's body transitions that people have sat up in their bed, opened their eyes you know, you know, even if they're drugged up or even if they've been checked out, you know, with Alzheimer's or something like that, that there are these moments of clarity just before they go. And, you know, where does that come from? One can believe a higher source. Exactly. Because that, and that happens quite often in hospice where someone will be in a place where you look at them for a few days or longer where they just look like they're on that edge and they're about to go. And then they really do have that period where all of a sudden they sit up, they look around, they talk to family members again, and the families are unfortunately under the impression, oh my gosh, they're getting better. They're doing so much better. But that's not necessarily the case for most of them. It's just that they're, they move. I don't know what it is, the energetic thing, I feel, where they move into that space where it's like they're giving you those last few moments of hello, goodbye, and I want to let you all know I'm still here. But then usually within a day or two after, they let go and actually do transition. I've got a good story. <laughs> uh, I interviewed right. <laughs> a few years ago, Steve Kearns is his name. He's a pastor, our chaplain with hospice. And he's somebody that I know through my day job, 
as I am a chef working with race car teams and he works with the races as well. But he said his father um, was in a coma, all hooked up to medicate, you know, medication and everything. And his eyes opened, he, he sat up in the bed. And of course, everybody's concerned because he's got all the tubes and things. He, he swung his legs over and they're like, dad, dad, wait a minute. You know, you can't get up. And he just, his eyes were wide open and he says, it's so beautiful there. And they said, well, dad, what do you see? And he started talking about people from his past that he was seeing. And he even mentioned someone who had passed away while he was in the coma that he was never told the person died and he's seeing that person. And the the family said, you know, do you see Jesus? And, oh, yeah, I see Jesus. What's he saying? That I have very limited time left with my body and to do the things that I want to do before I go home. So long story short, he wanted to have a hot fudge Sunday and cherry pie and watch a ball game <laughs> and get dressed in a suit. And then lo and behold, a few days later, he passes away. But that's yeah. that. If that doesn't give us hope that we go on, well, I don't know what will, but that's just so encouraging. Yeah, it's amazing. And there's so many stories like that out there. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem a lot of people have, it it challenges the belief system that people choose to hold on to, which is why it makes it so hard sometimes. Because even with the type of thing that the type of work that I'm able to do and other mediums that are out there, you can only give what you can give. And then it's up to the person whether they're going to, whether they'll be open to accept it or if they're going to deny it. Because we can't, it's all you can do is prevent what you're receiving and let go of it. That's right. Because you can't prove you can't prove anything to anybody. It's just about if they allow it to connect with them and maybe take the time to go and do a little more research or to take a look around to see what else is out there. But it really does challenge a lot of people. Absolutely, it does. You know, I would not have even had this conversation with you over twenty years ago. I was, you know, massive skeptic. But all these little seeds have been planted, and then of course I was introduced to my own grief. And have to continue my investigation. And um, so all you can do is present it. And But I do think, Maurice, in our lifetime, we really will see this shift that this afterlife conversation is more open, is a belief that more people believe and are talking about it than don't. And that's like not a taboo subject. You know, you never know who you're with. So yeah. you, you never know. You know, I was, um, I, I mentioned this a few shows ago, but I cleaned out my basement and I gave away a set of books. And the person that I met that picked up all the books, he mentioned something about his son being interested in afterlife and uh, the pyramids and Tesla and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, Sandra, are you going to be bold and, and open up and tell him you wrote this book? <laughs> And I actually, I actually did, Maurice, I actually did just, you know, I put it out there. Either he's going to take the bait or he didn't. And what he, what came forth was surprising. He was actually someone who had had a near death experience as a grown man. He drowned and he was pulled out of the ocean and revived, but he talked about floating above his body and feeling the light and the love. And he said, you know, I don't tell many people this story, but he said, I, I'm comforted knowing that we go on. There's nothing to be afraid of in death. And that would have never happened had I not had that courage to say something. Yeah. Uh, cool. And I've, 
And I believe you're right. I think a lot of, first of all, I think a lot of people out there are having experiences. And I think a lot of people out there are even like the uh, common time for the spirit world to come and visit people is really at night in their dreams. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think, oh, I just had this dream. It's about my mom. She's been gone for 10 years. But actually, it's a visitation because sometimes that's the only time they can get in to actually connect with someone. But because people are so nervous about having these conversations, I think these, that the spirit world comes back to visit the lo- loved ones so much more often than people are even aware of. Mm-hmm. And they don't allow the conversations because it's just a place where so many people are uncomfortable. But it's just an amazing thing that, like you said, I think it will become more commonplace as we move forward for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, I'm really trying to do my part and meeting people like you and others and going together with it's not just about the afterlife. It's about living life. And I'm finding the greatest group of friends and listeners that we're all connected here. You know, we could get together at any time. So there's fun involved. It's empowering us to live our life. And uh, in the beginning, we were talking a, a little bit about fear. And I was listening to an audio book yesterday that is if you can substitute fear and put in the word faith, <laughs> how would your actions change? And I just thought, you know, that's a really good thought because as humans, there are so many things we fear and whether it is taking our final breath or whatever that may be is to just have the faith that we're a soul having a human experience here. We have a team of invisible cheerleaders behind mm. us cheering us on. And would our actions change is if we could have faith rather than fear? What do you think? I feel that is a hundred percent accurate um, through life, you know, through your own, through my own experiences, but even experiences of the people around me, fear is paralyzing. And sometimes you don't even know that it's your fear that's holding you back until you truly investigate and t- take a look at the situation and to see where you are. When you step out on faith and just know you're going to be protected and know that the spirit world, especially because like you said, you do have an invisible team behind you, but just that most of us don't connect to them. But when you get into that mindset that I know I'm going to be protected, I know I'll be taken care of. I'm stepping out to do good things for myself and others and just stepping out into the world to see what can be brought to me. As you shift that energy, there's there's a collective energy within the universe that comes in to meet you head on. The same way if you project fear out there, that's what you, that's actually what you project out into the universe. And that's what you bring on as well. So if you can shift it and just step, even take those baby steps, if you're afraid, huge, huge shifts take place, not even just for you, but for everyone around you, because as you encounter and have amazing experiences, those around you connected to you also evolve and shift and have some of those experiences with you, especially as you share your stories, because it helps to bring faith to other people. Yeah, I feel like we're a magnet so many times with people, with experiences, like you say, with emotions and illnesses and things like that. Is there a way, because you're a pretty likable guy, <laughs> uh, very lovable, <laughs> very friendly, you just if we talk the good vibes language, you know, you're somebody just puts off such warmth and love that I knew immediately I wanted to be your friend. Even before we met, all it took was one smile. Like, who is this guy? You know? And, um, but if you're sitting in fear or you're sitting in 
grief or anything like that, are there things that we can do to shift? I mean, you can't go from grief to just joy in, you know, two seconds, but is there something that we can do or something that we can think about that can start moving that energy to positive? You know, everyone's, I just feel everyone's a little bit different with how they view life. So of course, everyone would do things a little bit differently. Um, for some people, it's just a matter of listening to certain type of music can help to shift and bring a different type of energy into a situation. Um, for other people, it may be reading particular books or reading a scripture of belief or something that you consider to be powerful for you. Um, for others, it's that day or that time at the beach where the energy is just so amazing that you just visualize those things that are going on with you almost being swept away and allowing that that energy from the ocean, which is all consuming when someone lets go to come in to help to move you forward. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that. I think it's an individual answer. And sometimes it's about calling your friend on the phone who is absolutely that person that can provide you with a little bit of comfort or that makes you laugh every single time. Because once you step in and allow the energy to begin the shift, a lot of times then you can continue that shift, but it's, it's about the space that you're in. And if you honestly believe also that you can allow the shift to take place, because a lot of what happens with us on this earth is about our beliefs or limitations. And if you just allow yourself to move forward and just allow it to begin, a lot of times it will continue if you can maintain the mindset. That's just my belief system though. But I just, I know just from watching other people deal and cope with things, everyone's a little bit different and how it starts is not always how it finishes, but it can be as amazing as we allow it to be. That sounds really good. I know that uh, there's some saying that, you know, the mind is a dangerous place. You don't want to go in it alone. You know, there's times that if we're stuck in our own mind, it's absolutely brutal. So if you can pick up the phone or go outside or do a random act of kindness for somebody else or do something that is giving energy to something else other than paying attention to what your own thoughts are giving you. That's great. And then you just mentioned the beach. I was in a bad mood a couple days ago and yes, I can get into bad moods and, uh, and be overwhelmed and things. And I just thought this is not like, I just knew that this is not the energy I wanted to be in. And then it's like, well, you, you know, you can think of something you're grateful for. And it's funny, Maurice, I didn't even want to do that. I was just like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I ju- and I thought there's got to be something. There's just there's got to be just one little thing you can imagine. What's the easiest thing to imagine? And I said to myself, what is a time in your life that you really enjoyed? And my mind brought me to sitting on the beach in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, watching the waves coming up, watching the beach vendors, and all of a sudden, just that one little thing. So it doesn't have to be an actual beach. It can be the beach in your mind. And that was just the one little thing that started to lift me and led to something else and led to something else. So for me, evoking the imagination and just putting in just a teeny little thing that makes me happy, all of a sudden kind of made this flower bloom of getting me back to being Sandra, you know, because our mind can be tough, but can be. Our mind can actually, it actually makes us or breaks us. Yeah. And I think what you I think what you just said is just it's just so powerful because all you did was shift your perception to something else and just allowed it to blossom and take and 
take a hold of you, which is just like focusing on acts or thoughts of love as well. Right. You know, once you get into that energy and really move there, it just grows and grows and grows if you allow it and you can stay in that space. So it's, yeah, our minds, amazing, amazing things. But at the same time, if you can't get control of it, can take you down the wrong path. Yeah, somebody said, some dead wise person, I don't know if it was an Einstein or who it was, but our mind can make a hell out of heaven and a heaven out of hell. So, oh, so true. That's yes. actually brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yesterday, it was again, this audio book, it's from, somebody recommended it, Florence Scovel Shin. Oh, I'm reading, listening to the audio book oh, when yeah. I drive, but there's plenty of books, and I don't know when she lived, if it was in the, the 20s or when, because she talks about moving pictures as opposed to movies, and I forgot what word she uses about a record player, but it's it's definitely from long ago, but it's all these mm -hmm basic principles, you know, and whatever our mind pays attention to, you're going to see more of. So if you pay attention to a certain color, you know, the more of that you pay attention to, the more you'll see. So we can focus on negative and we can focus on positive. Yesterday, when I listened to this, I said, well, why don't I look for flowers? And I tell you, flowers make me happy. And as I was driving at springtime now, when we're recording this interview, I mean, I saw flowers everywhere and it just brought me so much joy. Picked some lilacs, <laughs> brought them to my mom, you know, all, all good things. Maurice, I want to ask you, what, what are you passionate about now? Is there a, a certain interest or, um, you know, I think as humans, we're always, there's always a little something going on in the field of the afterlife, or are you just continuing on working hard and doing your readings? No, um, I mean, I'm very, I'm very passionate about the spirit world, like this area, like the mediumship, the healing, those things. Yeah. It's a passion for me. Like when I start to talk about them, I can, I actually feel my energy begin to shift and to lift and to just move in a different direction. And, and anyone that knows me in my life, even people that meet me new, when we have these conversations, that's funny because someone just told me last week, they're like, there's this light that comes on in your eyes and your mm -hmm. energy just starts to move. Because, and for me, I think it's because there's a realization that the topic is never ending. There's always something to learn. Right. Um, the more, the more you move into this, the more you realize that how much we're all interconnected. And I just think human evolution and human growth is amazing. And I, I love education and learning. It's just, it's never, it's just never too much for me. So for me, anything that I can learn about the topic and even just about human beings in general, I mean, there, there's always some bad with the good as we learn about people around us. But at the same time, it's about growth, isn't it? It is. And we can't grow without the these other people around, can we? Right. Exactly. And with the mediumship, I mean, the biggest thing for me now is I, I do demonstrations down here, like evenings of demonstrations, which I love that too, and, which is interesting because in the beginning, I had a fear of groups. Uh, to the point that I couldn't even catch my breath in front of a group of people. Right. But now I absolutely just love being there and just connecting to the spirit world and bringing those messages through and, you know, doing the bit that I can do to help people with their place of grief or wherever they are in their lives. That brings me a lot of joy also in addition to the readings. That's and nice. And a bit of teaching I, and teaching as well, which is good. What do you teach? Um, um, I started out, it's interesting, I started out initially t teaching psychic development and then the beginning levels of mediumship, but mm -hmm. over the years it's culminated into 
teaching a little bit more of the advanced levels because now I've been in it since 2004. So with that knowledge, it's a little bit more to share with other people. Yes. Um, and I love the beginners because there's always that, that aha, those aha moments they have during class when they realize that they can do things or connect. And it's interesting to watch people over the years just to, to grow into themselves because as you tap into these energies and connect to your own soul, you have to grow one way or another. Mm-hmm. And each and every time that you connect and do this type of work, there's growth that takes place. People may not see it necessarily on the surface level, but there is a change and a shift that goes on um, on some level. And then they choose to allow it to come into life on uh, in a big way or they choose to let it stay in life in a small way. But I just love to see that spark in people. That's nice. Do you work with people individually or just in groups when you do teaching? The majority has been groups. I've had a couple I've worked with that have been with me for a few years off and on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have a young lady here actually who's, um, she's actually stepping out to do her first public demonstration in a few weeks and I'm going to go and cheer her on. Yeah. And um, give her a little bit of a leg up and see what we can do to help her. But um, yeah, I just I, I just love all that. Just it's just challenging with life, you know, because it's like work, then this, then relationship, and then I'm in school again and things like that. So don't I know it. you're in school again? Yeah, I went back to uh, my master's in nursing. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna knock Good that for out. You. Too. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. You are fabulous. Now, did I miss anything that you want to share that when we hang no, up, th- you'll say, oh, my God, good. I never told her about this. We're good. No, I think we're good. I think it's just been an amazing hour. I mean, for me, it was just about having the time with you yes. and just having the time to share with whatever was meant to come to the surface. I just feel it was a great time with you. Just amazing. Thanks. And everybody who's listening is just like me. Just gr- I mean, great people. And you, who's listening right now as our silent listener, you know you're fabulous. And um, <laughs> because we get along, yeah. we, we can talk about these things. Maurice, nothing was happier to me than I did my very first two live events. One was in Boston and one was in Orlando just this past year in 2019. And to meet people for the very first time that I feel like I've known all my life. We speak the same language. We've got the same interests. We can be open about this. And just like you at your first time at Arthur Finley, to just be open and just feel a sense of being at home. And I think in the future, there's going to be more of us that realize, hey, we're all living in this area. Let's get together for coffee. And and then groups are going to build. And so we won't be just these independent people all over tuning into the internet or a radio show or something. And I do think when we come together as friends, it really supports us in our life. And it'll also cause that tipping point on planet Earth that more of us are open about the afterlife. And so um, it'll come a day that it's just common conversation. And there'll still be people that believed, don't believe. I mean, you think about um, the day came when everybody knew the Earth was round, not flat. And there were some still people that went to their grave with, nope, it's not true. That's amazing. I know. Well, Maurice, let's talk about how people can get in touch with you and what you offer for readings. I'm I'm assuming you see people one-on-one there in Southern Florida, but um, do you also see people uh, or talk to people on the internet or on the phone? 
Yeah, I do. Um, phone reading. I do readings down here. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, there's actually a one hour reading and a half hour reading. Great. I can do them on phone or in person. I'm down here in South Florida. I have a location I work out of in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as finding me, I, I do not have. I don't use a website presence, but I have a Facebook page. That's great. Um, which which is Psychic Medium Maurice, and I can be contacted through there or even call me at um, the phone number is nine five four. Seven two seven three seven nine seven, and I'm happy to respond to people and reach out and just do whatever I can to try to benefit people in general. That is fantastic. Well, I for one am really super grateful that we met, and like you, I just you're just somebody that I want to hang on to for life and really explore how I can support you and vice versa and play together and be together and it just feels good to be around you. And I know um, others, you know, when we start sharing what we love, there is a light that comes from our eyes. I do think we start to radiate and, you know, it's always better to be around people that make us feel good. And so for all of us to find our, our core group, you know, and, um, and that's, it sure feels a lot better than, you know, you see these people that get together and all they do is talk about what's wrong, you know, and then it's like, let's talk about what's right. So as a little strategy, exactly. I use Maurice as I ask people about, <laughs> oh, how many kids do you have? Do you remember the first, you know, the birth of your first child, what that was like, or where's your favorite place to vacation? And it's completely a Sandra strategy to get people talking about something positive, which, you know, can make us all feel good. <laughs> That's no, true. It's fantastic, though. Sandra's strategy. Well, Maurice, thank you for being our guest today. Uh, you are so welcome. It was such a pleasure to spend this time with you. You have no idea. Oh, I feel the same way. And for our listener, thank you for spending the time with us. You know, I really do believe these episodes empower all of us to live a better life today. Even though we're talking about the afterlife, there's still a lot of time before we transition. So we make the most of it. You're not alone. Our home base for this show is we don't die radio.com and all the past, oh, 300 and some episodes can be found there. Also, the last 100 episodes are on iTunes and all episodes are also on YouTube. So we don't die radio.com. You can get some freebies from me, my 19 reasons to believe in the afterlife, a very healing audio called how to survive grief. And it says you can read several chapters from my book, we don't die. The truth is it's the whole book. Um, so that's our secret. But you can read that there. And if you want to meet me in person, I'll be one of the speakers at the upcoming IANS International Conference. And IANS stands for International Association for Near-Death Studies. And it's a big conference going on in Philadelphia, August 29th through September 1st. You can find out more at IANS.org. It's the letter I-A-N-D-S.org. And um, yeah, that's that's all I've got to tell you. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So do a little something today to brighten someone's day and you'll feel how much that brightens your day as well. So thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. (music) 